Good morning, and welcome again to our worship service. We are so glad that you're a part of our streaming service today. We are very thankful for the opportunity to meet together again on this Lord's Day and to worship God in spirit and in truth. We want to certainly express appreciation to those of you who are maybe watching for the first time. We are glad that you're with us, and we hope and pray that you will come visit us when we're able to meet again. Very thankful for all the good that has been accomplished in days gone by here at Olive Branch, and we pray that God will continue to use us for good in His kingdom for many, many years to come. I do want to express appreciation to Jordan for leading our thoughts this morning in the Lord's Supper. We appreciate all the young men that have taken part in this period of worship from week to week, and we hope and pray that we're going to be back together again very, very soon. I'm going to ask you to turn with me today to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 6. We're going to be looking together at Romans chapter 6, and we're going to begin in verse 16 in our study together today down through the end of the chapter, verse 23. And I want to invite you to study along today. Uh, We're going to be back here again tonight at 6 p.m., and we hope that you'll be a part of our study tonight as we explore some of the great passages that we are memorizing, committing to memory, and we will continue our study with regard to singing in our worship to God. In our lesson today, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 6, as I said a moment ago. The title of our lesson today, How Will You Be Paid? Did you know that how you live today will ultimately impact where you live in eternity? That is a powerful thought. To think that how I conduct myself here on planet Earth will ultimately determine where I spend eternity. Where do you plan to spend eternity? I don't know many people that have made it their life's purpose to live in such a way so that they might go to hell. I think most of us, our goal, our intent is to go to heaven. We want to go to heaven. And in Romans chapter 6, Paul deals with some things that I think will help us better understand the choices we make and ultimately the promise that we can have by living for God. Because Paul really, in a very plain and forthright way, sets forth the choice that is before all of us. So listen to him in verse 16. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey? Whether of sin to death or of obedience to righteousness. Now, Paul here is saying that we all have to make choices in life. Some of the choices that we make in life will ultimately determine where we spend the next life. And really, there are two possibilities before all of us. Number one, we can choose to live in rebellion to God. Now, the flip side of that coin is we can choose to live righteously before God. So what does it mean to live in rebellion to God? I would submit to you that 
Those who are living in rebellion to God, they are controlled by a life of sin. Now, you know, we talk about sin in our, in our day and time, and there are a lot of folks that really just brush it off as if it's nothing. Some would say that the whole concept of sin is outdated and archaic and old-fashioned. Well, the fact of the matter is, sin is a reality. And Paul deals with sin in the book of Romans. As a matter of fact, Paul would say that the gospel is God's effective way of dealing with sin and unrighteousness. You remember in chapter 1, he would indict the Gentile world as being under sin. In chapter 2, he would say that the Jews, they fared no better. They too are under sin. In chapter 3, his conclusion is, there is none righteous, no, not one. He would say, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. When people live in sin, and sin literally means a missing of the mark, John would define it, define it in 1 John chapter 3, verse 4 as transgression of the law. And so those who live in sin have transgressed, transcrossed the law of Almighty God. So what about this idea of living in rebellion to God, of being controlled by sin? The devil is a powerful being. And the Bible tells us that the devil walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Could I say this morning that those who are living in sin are but pawns of the devil? I mean, the devil is literally controlling their lives. Those who are living in rebellion to God have, in effect, sold out to the evil one. Do you remember back in 1 Kings chapter 21, we read about one of probably the worst of the worst in terms of kings in the nation of Israel? man by the name of Ahab. And it was said of Ahab that he sold himself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Imagine somebody falling under the sway, under the control of the devil. And the devil literally using them as a pawn in his evil schemes. So there's this concept of being controlled by the devil. Paul would say that those who present themselves as slaves, listen to him again in verse 16. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey? All he's saying is, if you choose to live in sin, then not only are you controlled by a life of sin, but listen to this whether of sin to death. Did you know that a life in sin ultimately leads to condemnation? I mean, think about it. Those who are living in rebellion to God, they are controlled by sin and they are condemned because of sin. Drop down, look at verse 23. Paul said, the wages of sin is death. Boy, that's tough, isn't it? To step back and reflect upon the fact that if I choose to live in sin, if I allow my life to be controlled by the evil one, 
and I live a life of sin, ultimately there is a payday. And it is not the kind of payday that I want to receive. The compensation that I will receive, according to Paul, is death. Death. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment or two. But I'm reminded of the words of Ezekiel. He said, the soul that sins, it shall surely die. Again, in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, Paul writing to people that had been delivered out of a life of sin and death. He said, and you has he made alive, listen to him, who were dead in trespasses and sins. You know, there are a lot of people living today. And by all appearances, they're alive and well. But if they're outside of Christ, they are, to use Paul's terminology, they are nothing but a walking corpse. They're dead in trespasses and sins. And so there is this idea of living in rebellion to God. Go back and look at the Old and New Testaments. And as you begin reading through the Old and New Testaments, look at the vast number of individuals who chose to live in rebellion to God. I talked about just a moment ago Ahab, a man who sold himself to do evil. I can't help but think about Judas Iscariot. Here was a man that had the opportunity to spend three, three and a half years with the Lord Jesus Christ. He could have been influenced for good, and yet he allowed Satan to dictate his life. As a result of that, he sold the Lord out. Now, here is the other side of the coin. You can choose to live righteously before God, and Paul pictures that. So, pick up with me again. Paul said, Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey? You are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin to death or of obedience to righteousness. Now, verse 17. But God be thanked that though you were the slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. So what about this idea of living righteously before God? Well, it's a choice. People who are living in sin make that choice. And yet those who decide to live for God, they've made a wise choice in life. So where does it all begin? It begins by submitting to the will and word of God. Paul would say, God be thanked, that though you were the servants of sin, you obeyed from the heart that form, that pattern of teaching. So what about this idea of submitting to the will of God and to the word of God? Is it not the case that over and over again there are overtures in Scripture identifying for us a better way of life? Didn't Jesus say, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, the promise being, I'll give you rest? Didn't Jesus say, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life? I mean, the Bible tells us the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one in 1 John 5, verse 19. 
And yet Paul would say, come ye out from among them and be separate in his letter to the Corinthians. And so there is a choice involved. And by submitting to the will of God and submitting to the Word of God, we can choose to live a righteous life. Back in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why, Paul? For it is the power of God unto salvation. Do you remember the Hebrew writer said that God's Word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword? When a person steps back and begins to contemplate the great love of God and all that God has done to save us. Back in Romans chapter 5, Paul would say, when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. In verse 8, he would say, but God commends His own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So as we hear that gospel message, and come to understand that God sent His only beloved Son into the world so that through Him we might live. There is the recognition that God loves us, that He is interested in us, that He is desirous of having fellowship with us, and we choose to follow Him. Rather than living a life of slavery unto Satan and in a life of sin, we choose to live for the Lord. We make the decision based upon all of the blessings and favors that He has showered upon us through Christ. Do you remember in Romans chapter 8, Paul said, God spared not His own Son, but freely gave Him up for us all. As we contemplate the great sacrifice of Christ, it is in contemplation of that fact that we respond in faith and obedience to the Lord. Now, there is a second thing that emerges out of a study of Romans chapter 6. First, there's a choice. You've got to make a choice. You've got to decide, am I going to live in rebellion to God? Am I going to live righteously before God? Now, God's choice is you live for Him. The Bible says God would have all men to be saved, come to the knowledge of the truth. The Bible says God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Paul would say in Acts chapter 17 that God commands all men now everywhere to repent. Why, Paul? Because He's appointed a day in which He'll judge the world in righteousness. So it's in light of that fact that we make the right choice. So, first, the choice but then secondly, the change. We can make a change for the better in life. You know, sometimes I hear people saying, you know what, I'd change if I could, but I just can't change. It's hard to teach someone who is old new things. Well, we can change. The question is not, can we change? The question is, do we want to change? Paul is writing to people that have been steeped in sin. They had come to understand that Christ had died for their sins. That they had been indicted as sin. And you know, we live in a day and time when we are dealing with what has been called a pandemic. And the pandemic that we're dealing with, the coronavirus, has touched every country in the world. 
Well, that's the way sin is. It is a universal problem. It is a universal scourge. There is nowhere that has not been affected by the problem of sin. And so the beauty of the gospel is, here is the opportunity for me to change, to make a change for the better, to enjoy a better way of life, to make better decisions based upon better information. So what about this change? First, Paul deals with the past. Now look, we've all got a past. We all have a past. And for some people, their past may be a little worse than others. But we still have a past. We still have to come face to face with how we've lived in the past. So, that being said, look again at verse 17. Paul said in the long ago, Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin to death or of obedience to righteousness? I think about people who have been living in sin. And first and foremost, they're living in sin because, because they have been ensnared by the work of the devil. Boy, you've got to give the devil his due. He is slick, crafty. He uses the world to deceive people, doesn't he? I mean, he can make, he can make things look so appetizing and so good. Well, how's he do it? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and by the way, the lust of the flesh, that's what we feel. The lust of the eyes, that's what we see. The pride of life, that's what we are. And the devil uses these tools. He's got a large toolbox. And he is constantly throwing things out. You know, there's, a, there's an old saying that says, if you throw enough mud against the wall, sooner or later it's going to stick. The devil is constantly throwing mud against the wall in hopes that something will stick. That there'll be something out there that he can... That he can allure you with. Do you remember in the book of James, in James chapter 1? James said, Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempts he any man, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust. And lust, when it has conceived, brings forth sin. Sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. So here's the process. The devil's out here laying traps landmines, if you please. His hope is that you'll bite on something. If you like to fish, you understand that you don't use the same kind of bait for every type of fish. The devil understands he's got to use different bait for different people. He's got a lot of bait, and he's always throwing that bait out. What happens is he captures some people. He ensnares them. Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 2 we talk about those who are taken 
captive by the devil. I hear, I hear people sometimes say, you know what, I don't want to live a Christian life. Because if I choose to live for Christ, that means I'm not at liberty to do what I want. I want to be the captain of my own ship. I want to be the one in charge. Well, let me tell you what, you may think you're in charge, but you're not. If you're living in sin, you've got a master. You have a slave owner It's called the devil. And he's pushing all the buttons. He is controlling you. You are, as I said a moment ago, a pawn. And he is using and abusing you, and he's doing it every single day. Now, when you live in sin, you are in prison. You're imprisoned by that way of life. So first, sin ensnares people, and then it enslaves people. When you live in sin, you've got to understand, you become a slave to that way of life. Don't tell me people are free to just do as they want, to come and go and to live as they please and to be the master of their own fate. Let me illustrate it like this. You ever known somebody who's an alcoholic? I mean, they live, they live for alcohol. I have seen people that when they get up in the morning, the first thing they think about is alcohol. When they go to bed at night, you know what they're thinking about? Alcohol. They get up in the morning and the first thing they want is a drink. Many times they go to bed in a drunken stupor. Why? Because alcohol has ensnared them and it has enslaved them. Drug addicts. Man, there are some people in our world today, you talk about fighting the devil and having a monkey on your back. I mean, can you imagine the vast numbers of people let's just say, in this area whose lives are dictated by some type of chemical substance. I mean, all they live for is crack or heroin or some other type of drug. And they want to talk about how free they are and how they're the captain of their own ship. They're the master of their own fate. They're going to do what they want and live how they want. Let me tell you what, that doesn't sound like a lot of fun to me. Doesn't sound like a lot of fun to me to be out always chasing the next tie, the next fix. You want to get high on something, get high on life. Enjoy life. As Peter talked about in 1 Peter chapter 3, those who would love life and see good days. You can enjoy a good life, but you've got to make good choices. So we all have a past. Now Paul is writing to the church at Rome. Paul had a past. We know about Paul's past, don't we? Here was a guy, here was a guy that had been ensnared in sin, enslaved to sin. Paul was, as you well know, making havoc of the church, doing everything within his power to destroy the body of Christ. The Lord met him on the road to Damascus, and he asked him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? When Paul later wrote to Timothy, 
Paul talked about his past life. He said he had been a persecutor, a blasphemer, an insolent man. He said, I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Look, I understand. There are some people who are living a life of sin in ignorance. They don't know there's a better way of life. They haven't come to understand that Christ died for the ungodly. They don't know anything about the peace of God and the blessings in Christ. Paul didn't know about that until the Lord appeared to him. And then in writing to Timothy, Paul would say, The grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Sometimes people talk about sin and how because of how they've lived, they've alienated friends and family members. They've hurt people that they've loved. And they just feel as if there's no hope. No hope for forgiveness from God. No hope for forgiveness by those they love and appreciate. In their mind, they burn so many bridges, there's just no way back. They've just got to live that life of sin. You know, Paul said in Romans chapter 5, he said, where sin abounded, grace abounds much more. So with that in mind, Paul would say, this is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul saying, you think you're beyond the scope of redemption? You need, to, you need to see my life. I am the poster child for sin and unrighteousness. And if God can forgive me, He can forgive you. What kind of sin will God forgive? He'll forgive all sin. He will forgive any sin. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And he said, their sins and their iniquities, I will remember no more. So Paul deals with the past. But what about the present? Let's just note the contrast here. He said, God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin... There's the idea. The past is one thing, but it's the present we're interested in. You know, we all have a past, as I said a minute ago. It's not what you were, it's what you are. I mean, we can look back at the life of Saul of Tarsus, and we see what an enemy of the cause of Christ he had become. And we look at the many people that he persecuted, some of whom tasted death because of his actions. Paul said, look, I'm a changed man. And because I'm a changed man, you can be a changed man. He said, having been set free from sin, we can be made free from sin. We can be liberated. Imagine if you can, being a slave of sin. You know, Jesus said that those who commit sin literally are the bondservants of sin. The taskmaster. Boy, it's tough. You remember back in the book of Exodus when God 
delivered the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage? The Pharaoh, boy, he was a tough taskmaster. Piled lots of work on the children of Israel. Made their lives miserable. Well, that's how Satan operates. And yet, just as God delivered the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage, through our obedience to the gospel, He can deliver us out of the bondage of sin. Jesus said, if the Son makes you free, you're free indeed. So what about this freedom in Christ? Well, look with me at Romans chapter 6. Beginning in verse 3, Paul would say, Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? All right, Paul, why do we need to be baptized into the death of Christ? You remember John wrote in John chapter 19, 34 and 35, Jesus shed His blood in death. When we're baptized into Christ, Paul said we're baptized into the death of Christ. So it is at that juncture that we contact the blood of Christ. Well, why do we need to contact the blood of Christ? Because the blood of Christ is what washes away our sins. John would write in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, Unto him who loved us, washed us, loosed us, liberated us from our sins. By what means? By his own blood. Do you remember in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7? Paul said, it's in him, that is in Christ. He is the person of our salvation. In Christ, we have redemption. That's the price of our salvation, his blood. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. God's desire is that we might enjoy pardon. And so, Paul said, we contact the blood of Christ. We die to the love and the practice of sin. Look at verse 4. Therefore, we're buried with Him through baptism into death. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. This is a new birth. The new birth, as Jesus said in John chapter 3, gives us a new beginning. we got a new starting point. When the Apostle Paul obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, he was free from sin. He understood what he was writing about when he said, and being free from sin, the freedom, the liberation that comes through the cleansing power of the blood of Christ. In verse 5 he said, If we've been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away, that we should no longer, listen to him, be slaves of sin. He who has died has been, hear him, freed from sin. What was it Jesus said? If the Son makes you free, you're free indeed. Listen now to Paul, having been set free from sin, free at last. Now I said a minute ago, Paul knew something about freedom in Christ. Paul, as I mentioned a moment ago, 1 Timothy chapter 1, he said the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Don't you know Paul came to appreciate the grace of God, the goodness of God, the greatness of God, 
that, that, that Paul could bask in the exceeding riches of His grace and kindness through Christ Jesus, as he would point out in Ephesians chapter 2, in about verse 7. Think about that. Paul has been there. He knows what it's like to live in sin. And so, in writing to the people in Rome, he could talk about their freedom in Christ and their fruitfulness in Christ. You see, they're changed people. Back in verse 11, Paul would say, Likewise you also reckon or consider yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The new birth affords us a new beginning. And that new beginning affords us new blessings. And so Paul would say, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. Look, the devil's going to continue to come after you. But Paul would say in verse 13, Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but rather you present your members, present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as righteous, or rather your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Drop down, look at verse 20. Paul said, well, in verse 18, he said, having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. In verse 20, he said, when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have in the things of which you're now ashamed? Look at verse 22. But having been set free from sin, having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. Paul's saying, look, as a child of God, you're a changed person. Your past, it's in the past. It's not what you were, it's what you are. It's what you have become. It's who you are in Christ. You're a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new, as Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. You're in the Lord now. And your life is all about glorifying God. Your life is about bringing forth holiness and godliness and righteousness. You're to live as a redeemed child of God. Didn't Jesus say in John chapter 15, Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. So, our goal, bear fruit to God. There's a third thing I want you to see in our study very quickly. It has to do with the compensation. Drop down, look at verse 23 now. Paul said, the wages of sin is death. Boy, that's tough, isn't it? When I think about a life of sin, and there are a lot of people in our world today, some 8 billion souls, many of whom have never heard the purity of the gospel, many of whom are not walking that narrow road that ultimately leads to life. You've got to make a decision. Now, Paul here pictures the life of a sinner. And when I think about the life of a sinner, first and foremost, what stands out to me 
is that there is what I would call the wasteland of sin. Boy, sin may promise you a lot, but it never delivers. The devil says, if you live for me, I'll give you peace and happiness and joy and tranquility. If you live for me, you can have anything you want. I don't buy that at all. For his inheritance and to beat all while his dad was still alive. And the Bible says when he had gathered all together, he went out into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous or profligate living. When that fellow left home, I imagine you wearing fine clothes, had money in his pockets. I mean, life was good. He's going out to explore the world, to have a ball, to enjoy life. I mean, he feels too, res too restricted at home. You know, I hear people talk about they don't want to live, they, they don't want to live with rules. Well, look, life is about rules. We all have rules. But there are some folks, they don't like what they call a binary way of life. So this guy he thinks, you know what? I'm going to go out and enjoy life. Well, as we say from time to time, how'd that work out for you? After he had literally spent everything, Jesus said in that narration, he began to be in want. Matter of fact, ended up feeding with swine. Do you know anything more repulsive to a Jew than living in a pig pen? When you choose to live in sin, and there are a lot of people out here, they've made that choice. And as they look back over the landscape of their life, what do they see? Heartache, trial, sadness. They, they, they see a wake of destruction. Have you ever seen a field that is flourishing with vegetables? And then maybe a horde of locusts comes through the land and literally destroys all that vegetation. And it looks like a wasteland, a barren wasteland. That's what sin does. The payoff is never what people think it'll be. That's why Solomon wrote, the way of the transgressor is hard. Man, it's a tough life. I mentioned before in Luke 23, we read about three people being put to death on Calvary. Jesus, the Son of God, was on that central cross. But there were two malefactors, two thieves on either side of the Lord. They were dying by means of capital punishment. They had committed crimes worthy of death. We could ask the question, at what point in their life did they run afoul with the law? At what point in their life did they get off the right road onto the wrong road? Or did they ever even know a right road? So on the one hand, you have the wasteland of sin and then the wages of sin. Paul said the wages of sin 
is death. We go back to the Garden of Eden and the result of Adam and Eve's transgression, death. Death to the human family. Physical death was a consequence to their sin in the garden. And Paul said, through one man's sin entered into the world and death by sin. Every time we lose a loved one, every time we say goodbye to somebody that we have known and loved in this world, we are reminded of what happened in the garden and the penalty exacted upon the human family. Death. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul talks about the sting of death. But now, Paul here said, the wages of sin is death. I understand something about physical death, but there is something far greater than physical death. It's called the second death. Do you remember in Revelation chapter 20, when John said he saw the dead small and great standing before God, the books were opened? And he said, another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in them. And then he said, the sea gave up the dead in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And then he said, death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is a second death. Whosoever was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire. What are the wages of sin? Eternal separation from God. I have heard people laugh about hell. I have heard people joke as if it's going to be one great big party in the next life. I got news for you. If you go to hell, you're going to pay the ultimate price for living in sin. You, you think you've had it bad here on planet Earth? Your worst day on earth will not compare to the first minute you step out into Gehenna, the hell of fire. You have no idea the quality of life you'll experience in that place. The Bible uses accommodative language to help lend insight into this horrible place. You don't want to go to hell. You don't want that kind of payday. And, and let me just say this. There's a payday coming someday. We're all going to get paid one way or another. You can be paid as a sinner, or you can choose to live as the saved. So what then, what then does the Lord have to offer those of us who are among the saved? First thing, we enjoy is peace. Not only do we enjoy peace with God, but I want you to listen to what Paul said. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God has freely, graciously bestowed upon us a way of life that is far better than anything the world has to offer. In Christ Jesus, what do you enjoy? You enjoy peace. You enjoy pardon. You have a promise 
I mean, you talk about living with promise. Listen to what he said. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. One day I'm going to step out into eternity. And one day I'm going to be paid. I'll either be paid as a sinner or I will reap a reward as a saved child of God. Paul said to those of us who are in Christ, we live in hope of life eternal, which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. John said, this is the promise that He's promised us. What is that promise? Eternal life. Now we talk about cashing our chips in. You're going to cash in this side of eternity one day. And you'll step out into that eternal realm. And you'll live in one of two abodes, either in heaven or in hell. And the hard truth of the matter is, the choice is yours. How are you going to be paid? If you're not a child of God, I want to encourage you today, come to Jesus. Recognize that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, if you die in your sins, where I am there, you cannot come. You don't want to die in sin. You don't want to step outside this veil of existence without hope and without God. If you're in Christ, the exhortation is be faithful. If you haven't obeyed the gospel, you need to believe Jesus to be the Son of God. Paul in Romans chapter 1, verse 5 talks about the obedience of faith, obeying the gospel being buried with Christ in baptism, letting God wash away all your sins as He did to those on Pentecost Day in the city of Jerusalem, Acts 2, verse 38. Let God put you in the church and then live for Him, glorifying day in and day out. It might be that you're not faithful to His cause. and You need to come back to God. Maybe you've been living in sin and you realize now sin's not what it's all cracked up to be. You're not happy, you're miserable, you're not content, you're not satisfied. You know that if you die as you are right now, you have no hope. Well, we'd be happy to pray with you and for you. You can call us, text us. We'd love to hear from you. We'll do whatever we can so that you might have the hope of life eternal. God bless you today.